practices can one fully understand his profound influence on contemporary American culture, politics, and entertainment. The correlation, in fact, between the intensity of Trudeau's institutional battles and the integrity of his satire is so significant that a new term should be coined to describe him, that of satur, a popular satirist who fights for a significant degree of economic and institutional freedom in order to engage in principled social criticism. While this study is ultimately a celebration of Trudeau and his work, it does not shy away from discussing weaknesses in his satire and art. Trudeau would admit himself to some of these failings, the pedestrian flavor of some of his art, for example. And as a scathing critic of others' foibles, it only seems right that Trudeau should be open to similar scrutiny. In addition, because Trudeau enjoys such great privileges as a popular satirist, essentially engaging in constitutionally sanctioned near slander, he should be held to a high standard in estimations of the ultimate fairness and accuracy of his attacks. While we love to imagine the satirist as the ever-righteous underdog, taking on the corrupt authority figures in our society, righting injustices, and repairing the social order, we should also be able to acknowledge that the great powers of satire can be abused. As George Test suggests, they can be used selfishly, vindictively, and maliciously. This may explain some of the ambivalence that editors and readers have felt toward Trudeau. He is admired for his chutzpah and integrity as he exerts these tremendous powers, but he also inspires fear and frustration as he occasionally appears to flirt with or even cross the line of misusing some of these prerogatives. I would add that a satirist who aspires to be a responsible progressive cultural and political watchdog ideally should avoid using comedy and satire haphazardly, irresponsibly, flippantly, or gratuitously. While one may take Trudeau to task for occasionally allowing his work to degenerate into personally motivated vendettas, he rarely makes a misstep when it comes to creating principled, consistent satire based on a coherently progressive worldview. Indeed, as I will illustrate, he stands out as one of the most principled and consistent satirists of our age. Moreover, he has even directed his watchdog impulses against other satirists or satiric television programs criticizing the creators when their work was scattershot, cynical, or opportunistic. The chapters in this study of Trudeau's work are organized to touch upon each of the following aspects of his career. Biography, professional practices, satire, art, and role as a social chronicler. While not an exhaustive study of any of these particular subjects, it is perhaps the first significant attempt to do justice to the sum of Trudeau's creative work. This introductory chapter will lay a foundation for achieving this goal by elaborating in broad strokes upon Trudeau's importance as a cartoonist, satirist, and cultural icon. It also previews the focus and contents of the remaining chapters. To begin, some basic information about the unlikely popularity and staying power of Trudeau's strip is in order. Launched in 1970, Doonesbury was a roughly drawn college strip that from today's comic strip industry perspective would seem to have little potential to catch on in a big way. Trudeau's art was a bit shaky and static, with some strips consisting of no more than a series of talking heads.
There were no cute, merchandisable animal characters featured in the cast. The humor was highly verbal. You actually had to concentrate while reading it. It was built upon complex character development and situational irony, rather than obvious sight gags or broad wordplay. Finally, the subject matter was pointedly political and topical. This last quality would presumably alienate the casual comics reader, since getting the strip's content and humor would require a significant familiarity with current events. Satire and politics had appeared on the comics page before. Indeed, one can cite a variety of examples. Early 20th century strips such as Mud and Jeff or Hogan's Alley made references to big city politics and used characters on the margins of society to satirize mainstream cultural values and practices. In the 1930s, Harold Gray's Little Orphan Annie espoused a right-wing anti-New Deal ideology.